I'm excited to jump into this series. And I want to just add to Pastor Norbin and to Brad and to the video just a happy Mother's Day uh, to, to all the moms tuning in with us this morning. And moms, you do so, so much. Um, I uh, was looking at some stories online and, and found these funny stories of, of moms who, who were doing so much they were really tired and their tired led to them making a couple of, of silly mistakes. One mom named Myla wrote that I had a particularly long and rough night with my teething daughter. She was cranky all night and fussing. When she finally fell asleep, I could not sleep. So I decided to get out of bed and grab some coffee. Without thinking much about it, I poured some coffee straight into a bottle. I added some creamer, put on the lid, and I actually started to drink the coffee straight out of the bottle nipple. When I realized what I was doing, the worst part was that I was so tired, I simply took off the nipple and enjoyed the rest of my coffee straight from the bottle. Don't know if you've ever done that. A mom named Jennifer talks about how during a frazzled time in the morning, after serving the family cereal, she put the milk in the cupboard and the cereal in the fridge. I think I've actually done that. A mom named Amy explained that uh, what she did while she was sleep deprived, she writes that I had, I had laid my six-month-old on his play mat to play. The mat was by our sliding screen door and the sun was shining that morning. Our small dog, who was close inside to the baby, decided to lay on his back and get some sun. I went to get the baby out of his pajamas and change his diaper. I laid him on the diaper changing table and started to put a diaper on. Almost halfway through, I realized I was diapering our dog. <laughs> That's a weird one. But <laughs> and one more for us. Uh, one mom tells her exhaustion story. She says that she woke up from a deep sleep feeling well rested. She says, she says that I cannot recall the last time that I had slept so well since I had my daughter. I looked at the clock on my phone and saw that it was after one in the afternoon. I wondered how did that happen and more importantly, why wasn't my baby crying? I went to the baby's room and saw that she was not in her crib. I began to panic. I called my husband and told told him the baby was missing and that someone must have kidnapped her. He reminded me that his mom had taken the baby for a few hours so that I could get some shopping done. (laughs) Well, when we're tired, we don't necessarily think all that clearly. And moms, you do so much. Parents, in general, you do so much. But have you ever felt that level of tiredness, that level of exhaustion? We've just started a series called Chasing Happiness. And I wonder if, like parenting... The pursuit of happiness is something that can make us feel exhausted. We get a picture in our mind of what we think happiness is supposed to look like. And and we go after that. Maybe we think that happiness is is having our family uh, live by a certain set of values, enjoy a certain set of experiences, and so we chase after having our family have great experiences. Perhaps we think that happiness will be found in a certain career. Something that is incredibly fulfilling. Something that is is well-paying. Something that we have joy doing. So we chase after it. Maybe we think that happiness is found in in performing really well in every area of our lives. So we discipline ourselves. We work hard and we go after that relentlessly. Trying to achieve our goals. Maybe we think that happiness is found simply in the company of the right friends. 
And, and so we invest our time and our energy in, in making sure that we are in the right social circles, in making sure that we have the right friend groups. Perhaps we think that happiness is found in, in having the right experiences, participating in the right events, having, um, having great travel experiences, going around the world, seeing all that there is to see. So we take off after that pursuit. But in the midst of that pursuit, I wonder if we, like new parents, can feel worn out. If we can feel stressed. If we can come to a point where we feel a little bit desperate, trying so hard to make this stuff work and finding that it's just not. I wonder if we can come to a point in this pursuit of our our happiness where we feel empty. Wondering if, if this is all that there is. Or having achieved some of our goals, still feeling like something's missing. Wondering, what is that something? Am I ever going to feel happy? What do we do when we feel like we're struggling on the journey to happiness? What do we do when we feel like we're struggling trying to experience the good life? A common message that we hear is that we need to fight to overcome our obstacles, that we need to fight to overcome the things that are keeping us from what we believe will make us happy. We're told that we need to think positively, that we need to work harder, that we need to trust that everything will be okay. But what does the Bible say to those who are worn out? What does the Bible say to those who are feeling stressed and under-resourced? To those who are feeling empty? Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus says, to those of you who are tired and stressed, to those of you who feel under-resourced, to those of you who are chasing happiness and you feel like you can't get it, he says to us, recognize that you are blessed. Recognize that you are blessed. You see, Jesus invites us to see that our experiences of feeling like we've got nothing to give is actually a blessing because it enables us to receive from Him that which will meet our deepest needs. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Last week, Pastor Ken used a definition of blessing, which, which in the Greek, this word is a really hard word for us to, to translate into English. There's not a great comparison. But Pastor Ken uh, used a definition um, that was given by Dr. James Houston from Regent College. And, and he wrote that, that this word blessing, we could look at it and understand it to mean that it is being authentic, real, Deeply fulfilled and in touch with the fruitfulness of God. Authentic, real, deeply fulfilled and in touch with the fruitfulness of God. Now when I hear that sentence, I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want. And I'm guessing that many of you feel that same way. But in our pursuit of that, in our pursuit of happiness, if we're feeling like we're at the end of our rope, we probably do not feel blessed. 
we probably do not feel like we are in touch with the fruitfulness of God. So what is Jesus getting at here? Well, I want to explore this verse with you. We're going to look at three elements. First is the question, well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? The second is, why are the poor in spirit blessed? And thirdly, if we're looking at the Beatitudes as the attributes or characteristics of, of someone that we want to be or be like, which, it's, which is what we understand them to be, then we need to ask the question of, well, what does it look like for us to embrace a spirit of poverty? So we're going to hit on those three questions. But the first one, what is it to be poor in spirit? Well, what I was mentioning earlier, talking about being stressed, worn out, feeling like you're at the end of your rope, wondering if things are ever going to be okay. Friends, in the midst of all of this, you and I are faced with our vulnerabilities. We're we're faced with all these things that are coming up against us where we're realizing that we don't have it all together the way that we want to. And we're faced with these realities of a side of us that we don't necessarily want other people to see. Areas where we're not strong enough, we're not rich enough, we're not brave enough, we're not competent enough. And in our pursuit of happiness, our pursuit of of living this great life, we feel desperate and lost. These vulnerabilities are a bit of a reflection of what it is to be poor in spirit. And we find ourselves in a very interesting point in time with the COVID-19 pandemic. The fears that you and I are experiencing in the midst of this pandemic are are very real. We, We look around our world and we wonder about the health of people that we love. We feel desperate about even our own health. We wonder if we caught this virus, would we live or would we die? We we look at our economy. We watch as people are losing their jobs. Maybe perhaps you have lost your job. We're we're looking at all these things and it feels like our society is crumbling around us. We feel vulnerable. We look around the world and we wonder, will things ever be okay again? Will things ever be normal again? Will things ever be right Friends, I want to suggest to you that the vulnerabilities that you feel in the midst of COVID-19, the vulnerabilities that you feel on your pursuit of happiness, where you feel like you aren't quite getting there, these are vulnerabilities that are pointing to something so much deeper than maybe you realize. I believe that our greatest vulnerability is actually before God. I believe our greatest need is for God. And when we think about all this lack that we experience in our lives, when we are faced with that feeling of, man, there's just something missing inside of me. When we're faced with the fear and the uncertainty that comes from a pandemic, I believe all of that is pointing to something so much deeper. You see, God created you. God made you with all the desire and longing that is inside of you. An early church father named Augustine wrote these famous words. He says that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless 
until it rests in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And Augustine recognized that the pursuit that we engage in in life, this chasing after something greater, this chasing after happiness, this chasing after the good life, is really something that is symptomatic in us of this longing that you and I have for God. Some of us just might not realize that that's what that longing is all about. And I believe wholeheartedly that true happiness, true contentment, true joy and peace cannot be found apart from God. We were never meant to experience a a good, full, abundant life apart from God. He designed us. He knows what's best for us. But when I look at our worlds and I even look at my own life, I see, man, I have tried and tried to experience happiness and life in abundance apart from God. And you see, this has led to a problem. Because when we're living for our own interests, when we're living apart from God, it separates us from Him. In the Bible, it's called sin. It's this reality of us living our own ways. And the reality is that the sin separates us from God. Now we might think, well, you know, God's loving. God cares, you know, he cares about his creation. And I'm really not a bad person. So I should be able to experience this full life. God should give this to me. Well, friends, it's, it's interesting when we think this way. Because Jesus is about to give to us arguably the greatest moral teaching of all time in the Sermon on the Mount. And during this message, he builds to a point in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And he says to us, You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when I look at the story of the Bible, life with God is our full abundant life. Jesus said that he's come to give us life abundant. The more we live apart from him, the 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 less we're going to experience the true life-giving abundance that Jesus has for us. But the standard for us to experience that full abundant life means we have to do life with God. We have to be with Him. We have to walk with Him. But our choices have separated us from Him. Jesus is saying that we need to be perfect. Like God is perfect. That us doing things on our own, doing things apart from God, is falling short of that standard. So that no matter how hard we try, we won't actually experience the full life Jesus came to bring us. Jesus sets the standard. Be perfect. This is the poverty of spirit that Jesus is talking about. It's one thing for us to feel stressed It's one thing for us to feel tired and overwhelmed. It's one thing for us to feel like we are at the end of our rope. But friends, our greatest vulnerability is that we would be separated from God. And Jesus here is writing to a group of of people. He's speaking to a group of people, his disciples, who, who believe that if they just do the right things, if they just be good enough, then they will be in right relationship. Then it will all be good. But then Jesus says, well, you have to be perfect. I don't know about you, 
But I am not perfect. I'm not perfect. And that if, if God's standard is here, and this is his perfection, Adam Byer is probably down here. And this gap, that's the poverty of spirit. We feel like we don't measure up. We feel like we can't get that full life. We feel like we're lost. Poverty in spirit. So why are the poor in spirit blessed? Why are they blessed? Friends, God wants to give to you abundance. Here in this passage in Matthew 5 verse 3, that abundance is described as the kingdom of heaven. It is the rule and the reign of God in your heart. That you live according to your created purpose. That you live the way that you were designed to be. That you walk with Jesus. You walk with God throughout your whole life. And in that experience joy and abundance and peace. And in that you experience an eternal life with all of those riches. But I want you to consider something. We can't receive this abundance that God has for us unless we recognize that we've got nothing. Unless we come to see that we are poor in spirit. I think we live in a culture that wants to ignore our vulnerabilities. I brought uh, some balls with me this morning as a way to illustrate this point. I'm just going to roll these on the ground. Bunch of balls. All the kids at home just went crazy. They're like, there's balls. So we we live in a culture, I believe, you can tell me if I'm wrong, where when we feel vulnerability, when we feel like we're lacking, we try to get rid of that feeling. So if I'm going through life and I think that life to the full is me being in having lots of friendships and relationships with people, when I start to feel lonely a vulnerability, I don't want to feel that. So what do I do? I'm going to start compromising on who I am so that I fit into the right friend groups. I'm going to go on Facebook a lot because it makes me feel connected. Instagram helps me feel connected. Um, I'm going to start getting into unhealthy relationships. People who maybe aren't very nice to me, but they make me feel connected. And I just start doing things to avoid the feeling of loneliness. And let's say that... um, in the midst of my pursuit of happiness, it's not working out the way that I thought it would. I'm working overtime all of the time. I don't have enough money to do the things that I want to do. And I start to feel really stressed and depressed. But I don't like those feelings, so I'm going to avoid them. I, I, I'm going to start to watch lots and lots of television all the time and escape from my reality. I might start drinking. I might start doing things that make me feel numb. And in all of this, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to feel happy, right? It's good. Um, and, and maybe I'm starting to feel really anxious and fear-filled. And so I'm going to actually try to control my life more. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more. And, and we end up doing all these things, right? To avoid feeling vulnerable. To avoid our poverty of spirit. And we might look at God and think about eternity and death and be like, well, you know, I'm just going gonna, I'm I'm gonna to be a good person. I'm going to do, do good things. And if I do good things, God's a God of love. So it's, it's all good, right? 
And we do everything we can to avoid our poverty of spirit. But then God comes along. And and God comes to us with an invitation. And God in this illustration is Norb. And he's holding out something for me. And he's saying, Adam, I, Adam I, I want you to have my kingdom. I want you to have abundance. And I'm like, God, I, I'd love to take that. But as you can see, my arms are really full. And I just, I don't want to put these things down. I, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really, really well. So I'm good. And we just hold on to these things. We, we act like we can do it on our own without God. But who are the poor in spirit? The poor in spirit. They're the bankrupt. They're the ones who don't have anything. They recognize they can't do it on their own. They recognize that for them to be in right relationship with God, they, they can't be good enough. They recognize that for them to have all the things that they want in life, it, it's, none of it's actually going to compare to what God has for them. So they recognize, I got nothing. But what just happened? When you recognize you've got nothing, you've opened your hands to receive from God all that He has for you. That is why the poor in spirit are blessed. That is why the poor in spirit are blessed. The poor are blessed because they have nothing in their hands and they can receive from God all that He has for them. They're able to submit to living the way that God designed them to live. Friends, we can't experience the abundant life that God wants to give us if if we keep trying to do it on our own without Him. If we keep thinking that there's something within us that enables us to experience all the riches and all the glories of life that causes us to live like this. The people Jesus are talking to thought that if they prayed the right way, they did all the right things, that that they would be blessed, that they'd have it all. And it's that rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through the list. Obey the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father. And he says, Jesus, I've done all of these things. And he says, one thing you lack. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. What happened to that young man? He couldn't receive what Jesus had for him. Because he thought that he had life all figured out on his own. He was not poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are able to receive what Jesus has done for them. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says that for while we were still weak, while we were poor in spirit, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for those who recognized that they could not be in relationship with God without the work and the power of Jesus. Friends, the abundant life that Jesus has for us. The kingdom of God. It belongs to those who know that they have no resources, material or spiritual, to help themselves before God. But we can't receive that 
what God has for us if we're holding on to all these things. So what does it look like for us to embrace our poverty of spirit? What does it look like for us to embrace our poverty of spirit? Well, first, we need to recognize our need for salvation. We need to recognize our need for God. And then when we recognize it, we need to receive it. Recognizing our need is coming to a place where we're poor in spirit, where we let all the balls fall. Where we come before God and we say, God, I got nothing. And then from that place, we say, God, I want to receive from you the life abundant that you have for me. God, I want to walk the way that you desire me to walk. I want to do life with you. And do what I love about God. He looks at us and says, I love that. He's like, and it, but you can't. You, you can't do all these things. But don't worry, I sent my son. Friends, Jesus is the one who's perfect. And being a Christian is living a life walking with him. Looking unto him. Recognizing that we have nothing apart from him. Recognizing that the joy, the abundant life, the peace, the hope, all these things come as we walk with Jesus. That it's not about us being perfect. It's recognizing that we can never be perfect. But Jesus is perfect. So we walk with him. We receive the saving work of Jesus. Secondly, we allow our poverty of spirit to continually propel us towards God. Propel us towards God. Friends, as we watch Jesus' life throughout the Gospels, Jesus teaches that the norm of the kingdom of heaven is spiritual bankruptcy. It's the complete opposite to spiritual self-sufficiency. And so as believers, we, we live out this poverty of spirit as we become people who pray. And prayer, very simply, is just a, a conversation with God. And as we enter into that conversation, we bring to God our weaknesses, our brokenness. We bring to Him our need. Prayer is the continual petition that, Lord, I don't got this on my own. And then lastly, as a church, we need to embrace that we are a community of vulnerable, broken people. That the being poor of spirit isn't characteristic of just me or someone else, but for all of us. And that as we come together, we can share our vulnerabilities. We can share our weaknesses. We can share with one another the areas of our lives that we don't feel like we're measuring up. And then together as a community, we walk with one another in the company of Jesus. And in doing so, I believe, we experience the kingdom of God at work in our midst. Friends, our culture I believe, is afraid of frailty and weakness. What's going on right now with COVID has really, really exposed that. It's terrifying. 
I get it. And we don't want to be a people who are in need. We don't want to be people who are lacking. We don't want to be people who are dependent on someone else. But friends, Jesus calls us to recognize our weakness. To embrace that spiritual bankruptcy. And to give our lives to Him. And recognize that in Him is everything that we need. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this invitation in Matthew 5. This statement that we are blessed in our weakness and vulnerability. Father, would You help us to live in that reality? Lord, help us not to push away the vulnerability and the weakness, Lord, but help us to bring it to You. To come before You with our hands open and and confess to You our need. And Lord, in this season, in this time, where the needs feel so great, Lord, may we be a people who bring to You our anxious thoughts, who bring to You our weakness, who bring to You our concerns. And Lord, in You, may we experience that life abundant, that happiness, that joy that You have for us, we pray. In Jesus' name.